Good evening, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. Uh, this is your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. The Common Sense Party's podcast mission is to inform our listeners on topics that affect the everyday person. Rate, review, follow, subscribe. You can all do that free on the places where you get your podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn. Yes, we're still working on Google. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us three stars. Give us two stars. Give us any stars. If you don't give me any stars, I will just assume I'm doing it perfectly. Uh, You can support the podcast with the information on the site. And today we'll be talking about what is woke. Ron DeSantis versus Disney. And why is Trump trying to change the narrative? Let's get to it. This is the Common Sense Party Pod. I am your host, the Otley. First up, we're going to talk about how Trump tried to change the narrative because he announced on Tuesday he would be arrested. And today is Wednesday, the 22nd, and he did not get arrested. Uh, the grand jury was supposed to vote, but I don't think they voted today. But let's go ahead and check this out. I'm Donya Perry, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, and Barbara McQuaid, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Um, Barb, I, I have to ask you about what is happening in these timelines that all seem to be, to some degree, converging. I mean, we don't know what Jack Smith is doing. We don't know whether he's going to charge the former president with anything, but there's action happening. At the same time that we're hearing, there are potential indictments coming down from Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York, and his investigation into uh, Trump and the hush money payments made to Stormy Daniel, and Fonnie Willis, the DA in Fulton County, Georgia, who's looking into uh, Trump's efforts to subvert the results of the 2020 election. Is, does it surprise you that these weather fronts seem to be converging at the same time? I suppose it does, actually, Alex, because, you know, you think about these cases, they are of varying degrees of complexity. The Stormy Daniels case could have been charged years ago. Here we are, you know, seven years after the fact that that one's being charged. It doesn't surprise me that the January 6th case is taking, you know, until now and beyond because of its complexity. And the Georgia case falls, you know, somewhere in between. But I think it's very likely we're going to see charges next week in the Stormy Daniels case out of New York. I think we're going to see charges from Fonnie Willis sometime within the next month, if not sooner. And then these two cases with Jack Smith, I'm not sure, but it does get, you you get the feeling they're getting close to the end just because they're putting witnesses like Mike Pence into the grand jury. So it sounds, and the lawyers, so it sounds like they're getting close to the end there. So, you know, we could have a situation where Donald Trump is defending himself in court in four different places, you know, New York, Georgia, maybe Florida, if they charge Mar-a-Lago there, they could charge it in D.C., uh, but then also in Washington, D.C. Uh, he'll have to have court appearances in all of those places. And so I imagine he will welcome it as the circus uh, that he relishes uh, and use it for fundraising and uh, uh, to claim victimhood and grievance. But it still has to be distracting to a candidate's schedule 
uh, you, you can't have a rally if you have to be in court. Unless he has a rally at court, um, I do, I, which is not out of the realm of the possible when we talk about Donald Trump. Danya, the New York Times has some new reporting about the defenses that Trump may be testing out as it pertains to um, potential indictments. And I'll just read an excerpt from that reporting. According to two of Trump's political allies, the campaign, the Trump campaign, will aim to portray any charges as part of a coordinated offensive by the Democratic Party against Trump, who is trying to become only the second former president to win a new term after leaving office. Specifically, his campaign team plans on trying to connect Mr. Bragg's investigation into Trump to President Biden. Now, I understand the political strategy of that, but as a legal defense, I mean, how does that work? And do you, wait, what, what would your advice be if you were defense counsel in this situation? It would be to find an actual legal defense. <laughs> that That is accurate. I mean, that has been his defense since day one. This is a political witch hunt. Um, here, you know, as you just discussed with Barb, there are many different battles that are converging all at once on him, so I guess that gives him a little bit more ammunition yeah. to say that this is a concerted um, war against him. But that that is certainly not a legal defense. He's probably testing it out, and he um, almost certainly shot down by a judge. Uh, that's a jury nullification argument essentially that does not usually fly with with a presiding trial judge but i do have to wonder from the prosecutor's standpoint i mean how much do you have to gird yourself for an onslaught of total wacko bonkers circus-like atmosphere because that seems to be what they're telegraphing at this stage and how much does that actually affect you know the trial the the, the rest of the investigation if if, by the way, you know, Jack Smith is trying to continue his work as there have already been criminal charges in the Fulton County case and the Manhattan case, like, how much does it complicate the situation for the prosecutors? I think they're trying to put their heads down, look, you've got two local prosecutors. You know, you have Jack Smith on the one hand, you have the Southern District of New York on another hand, but you have a local district attorney um, out of Georgia and a local district attorney out of Manhattan, and this has certainly never been done. Yeah. And so I'm sure they're bracing themselves. They are trying to put their heads down and do the work, get the job done, you know, be apolitical about this as much as they can, and actually try the case on its merits and as a legal matter, which is what it is, and I'm sure they are just trying to just get the distractions out of their way, sweep them aside, and focus on proving the elements, each and every element of each and every crime that may or may not be charged, and prove that to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's their job. Yeah, they're going to need a set of like noise-canceling headphones <laughs> that are bigger than the island of Manhattan. Barb, um, the statement from the Trump campaign tonight on the Manhattan DA's quote-quote witch hunt. Americans will not tolerate radical left Democrats turning our justice system into an injustice system to influence a presidential election, which is all they want to do. I mean, one does worry in the way that Trump has a tendency to personally target individuals. The degree to which it's not just about canceling the noise, but also the concern for the physical safety of these prosecutors, these investigators. It's a very real threat. Uh, in the same way we saw thousands of people come to the Capitol on January 6th when they believed uh, Donald Trump's claims of a stolen election, they are going to take up the mantle in his defense as well. I think that when there are charges filed, and I think it's a when and not an if, I think there will be violence somewhere. Uh, I don't know how bad it will be, but there are unhinged people who do believe all of these things he says, that it's a witch hunt and a hoax, uh, and there will be people who take up that mantle. You know, In the same way we saw 
after the search at Mar-a-Lago, court-authorized search, and he talked about, you know, how the FBI came in and raided his beautiful home, uh, and a man went to the FBI office in Cincinnati with uh, a nail gun and an AK-47 and found himself dead later in the day uh, after a standoff with the FBI. I do fear that we're going to see those kinds of things because of the outrage that Donald Trump deliberately stirs up. My fear of this unknown is particularly acute. Sonia Perry and Barbara McQuaid, thank you both for your time and expertise this evening. All right, two things. He is using his playbook from 2016, saying that the Democrats are going to try to keep him out of office. But hopefully America has seen this playbook before and it doesn't work. But I could be wrong. Also, he's going to run for president while being investigated for New York, Atlanta, and I think there's one more. The documents case, yeah, that one. So what we're going to see is that he is going to use the power of, I guess, the mic court of public opinion to get to let him get through the I guess the indictments alright the people who follow Trump they're a particular set so let's hear this from the Daily Show last week Donald Trump declared his arrest was imminent and called for a protest to take our nation back outside the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So yesterday I ventured all the way downtown and joined the media circus to observe this crowd of MAGA protesters who were definitely around here somewhere. Yeah, this is the truth social here. It says, Tuesday, protest, take our nation back. Excuse me, is this the protest for Trump? Or the Trump protest, or the supporting, are we taking our nation back? Is that today? That was today. So I did have the day right, and then I found a proud and totally concealed Trump supporter. Why are you here? Because I'm here to support Trump, because they want to indict him. So Trump went on his own social media, yep. and he called out people, his supporters, to come out here and support him. And right now, that's just you. I'm here, I'm here. And here's the crowd. I don't need you to come outside. No, I got this. Okay. I'm here to actually see what's going on. Everyone was talking about it, so I came here to check it out. You want to see it with your own eyes. Eyes, that's right, because I don't believe what I'm hearing on the news media. So what have you seen so far? Absolutely almost nothing. Nothing? Correct. This was an unusual MAGA rally. The numbers were low, and it was in my own city. However, the arguments over some basic facts were refreshingly familiar. Do you think it's fair for Trump to be indicted if that does happen this week? Listen, I don't know all the specific facts, but what I do know is he's my president. Right now? I think he's my president. Yeah. You think he's serving the role as your president currently? Well, he, he's, in my heart, he's, he's my president. Okay, good. I just have to be clear sometimes. Well, sure, sure. You think I, Joe Biden is president, right? No, I think that man is, is a scam. I just know that allegedly he's there. 
because that man doesn't make any sense. But technically, he is there. He is serving the role of president. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been down. I haven't been in Washington, D.C. I've not seen him walk in the White House. You don't think he actually spends time in the White House? I don't know. Well, but there are videos of him in the White House. He's. Can we just. I just want to get beyond this fact. He is the president of the United States. Donald Trump was the president of the United States. Fact? That's what some say. Oh, okay. This That's is. That's what some say. Right. Deborah, why are you here today? Joe Biden is going after him because I don't even know why he's going after him because they're going to push him out the door and probably bring my old, Michelle o, Michael Obama in, okay? But, uh, Michael I, Obama. Uh, that's correct, okay? They may why, why, why do you call him Michael don't Obama? Don't ask me that. What did Joan Rivers say? What did Joan Rivers say? That's correct. If anybody remember what she said... Do you get most of your news from Joan Rivers? Oh, no, I don't get none of my news from Joan Rivers. I'm just telling you okay. what she said about Michael Obama, okay? Regardless of their sources, the MAGA crowd, which the police estimated to be between three and six people, believe these charges were unworthy of a former president. I don't feel Trump should be in trouble. That's unconstitutional. I feel to indict a president. This is a political attack. Yes. They're not charging somebody else for this crime. Yes. Everything is political. Right. They did charge somebody else with this exact crime. Yeah, so why should he be charged? Well, Michael Cohen was charged, pled guilty, served time in jail. Disloyalty. Loyalty. If it ain't loyalty, it's nothing. This is about a man who cheated on his wife with a porn star while his wife was at home with their newborn son. But loyalty is a big issue for you. Listen, we met. Right. So we all know Trump doesn't understand how the law works. Turns out he doesn't know when it works either. But for MAGA supporters feeling FOMO about missing the Donald showdown with justice, I'm confident you'll get another chance. How long are you going to be here today? I don't know, maybe a couple more hours, walk around, grab something to eat. If Trump is indicted in Georgia next, you going there? I don't know, maybe I will. <laughs> it's like a big old indictment tour, right? I'll see you in Georgia, maybe we'll swing by D.C. <laughs> Yes, Trump tried to change the narrative to get people to protest, but surprisingly, no one showed up. But people who wanted to get indicted did show up, because that was from Comedy Central. Uh, Yeah, they did show up to indict him. And again, he will use this to scam his base out of money. Like, the more you try to tell him that that dude is just all about the money that he will take it from them and put it in his pocket and don't help them. They more they don't listen. So I hope that some will learn the lesson from 2016 that this dude is not good for the country. And we're getting close to 2024 and it's going to ramp up where the ads are going to come and he's going to play victim like most people who have no skill all right moving on let's go to our boy Bo Bo is back this week check it out well howdy there internet people it's Bo again so today we are going to talk about uh, some totally surprising news Uh, the former president of the United States Donald J Trump is circulating a petition this petition is uh, being directed towards his supporters 
and the general purpose of the petition is to request that he doesn't get arrested. Um, the unsurprising part is that if somebody was to go through the process and fill out the petition and sign up, um, they are directed to a page where they are requested to donate to him. Uh, the suggested donation amounts are high, uh, reportedly up to $3,300, uh, but you can donate however much you would like. There is a claim saying that he would make it super effective, something to the effect of 1,500% effective or something like that, uh, without really specifying how. It does appear that if he was scared or panicked by the news, and that is what led him to say that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday, that fear or panic has subsided a little bit, and genuine Trump instincts have taken over, and which basically monetize everything. Um, so the petition is circulating. I couldn't find a counter to see how many people had signed it. Um, so I'm not sure if it is doing well or poorly. My guess would be due to the lack of support for in-person assemblies in support of the former president, he has decided not to include a public counter until the numbers are high enough to to appear like he has a lot of support. Um, it's worth noting that this petition is probably not going to have a whole lot of effect on whether or not he is indicted in New York. That being said, he totally has the right to organize a petition um, for this. He has a right to petition for the redress of grievances. And if there is anything that Trump knows a lot about, it is grievances. So, there is some surprising and totally unsurprising news related to the developments in New York and uh, the whole Trump situation there. We uh, will find out a little bit more. We should get a little bit more information today. Uh, the grand jury is scheduled to meet again on Wednesday today. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see how everything continues to play out. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. Yep. Uh, and in our next clip, you'll find out what happened. But if you're going by polls, the polls show that Trump will destroy DeSantis in a primary and will lose against Biden most popular president ever Biden is the most popular president in US history and I think that Democrats don't want him to run again he should run again he's earned the right to run again because he has done a lot for the people the people in the middle, the middle class, or the upper low income. I know he fell. I don't know why, but he's clumsy. I know he fell uh, going up the stairs one more time, but hey, he still earned the right to to um, go ahead and run again. 
give Kamala Harris or somebody else four more years to get ready to take over because the Republicans uh, I cross my fingers the Republicans will be out of power because they are royally fucking up the the nation alright here's some more information about the indictment from Brian Taylor Cohen called off for today, Wednesday. So what are the possibilities in terms of when they'll hold the indictment vote? You know, so there are several possibilities. So it, I think it's important to to know that just because the grand jury votes to indict on a particular day, um, it is very unlikely that the, the indictment would be unsealed and an arrest would be made the same day. Because here's how it ordinarily works. We go into the grand jury at the end of an investigation. We say, folks, we think the evidence supports you voting on these five charges. For example, the grand jury will vote. If they vote to indict, that remains sealed because the next thing we have to do is we have to go to the judge. We have to get an arrest warrant for the person who has just been indicted by the grand jury. And then we have to go about arresting the person before he or she ever gets wind that there's been an indictment. So if an indictment was handed down on Wednesday, you might not see an arrest until the following week when all of the pieces could be put in place. Now, there is some back and forth about whether Donald Trump will or will not be arrested. I think the smart money is riding on a voluntary surrender. In white-collar cases, when we don't think the person who has been indicted is a flight risk or a danger to the community, we can put a pin in flight risk, certainly. But what we will ordinarily do is call up the defense attorneys for the target of the investigation, the person who has just been indicted, and say, you know, we want you to turn yourself into FBI headquarters or to the local police department, depending on the jurisdiction. At 9 a.m. on Monday, you will be booked, and you will then be walked into court and arraigned on the indictment. Okay. Now, because this is such a high-profile case, what are you reading from the tea leaves in terms of what you believe has happened so far. Do you believe it's possible that they could have already voted uh, on indictment and that that just hasn't been unsealed yet? Possible, but not likely. And here's why I say that. A rebuttal witness, um, Bob Costello, a mouthpiece, a surrogate for Donald Trump, was put before the grand jury because in New York, um, a defendant who's about to be indicted can offer up a witness to try to go into the grand jury and exonerate him or talk the grand jury out of indicting him. And Donald Trump put up this guy, Robert Costello. I think that was a tactical blunder. But but Costello testified on Monday, which was the last time the grand jury sat. They were scheduled to sit today, but they're, they're not sitting today for some reason. So I think it's very unlikely, Brian, that Costello would have testified on Monday afternoon and the next thing the prosecutors would have done is ask the grand jury to vote out an indictment. So I suspect the grand jury has not yet voted, but they could have voted on Monday, and then the DA's office could be going through the process we just described, figuring out when they want to unseal the indictment and when they want to have Donald Trump voluntarily turn himself in. Okay, so with that said, let's game this out and say that the grand jury does vote to indict and they do move forward with unsealing it and, uh, and it's time to, to basically arrest Donald Trump. What's the tick-tock of what happens next to Trump in the minutes and hours following? 
Yeah, so once the grand jury votes to indict him, so between that time and the time he actually walks into court to be arraigned on the indictment, which just means reading him the indictment so he has notice of the charges against which he has to defend, there are a few things that will go on. First of all, president or no president, former president or no former president, he will be booked. What does booking look like? Well, before you go to court, you go into a police station, and the police fill out a whole bunch of paperwork. They get all sorts of background, biographical, address information about you, and then they will fingerprint you, and then they will take mug shots. They will take arrest photos. So Donald Trump may succeed in avoiding a perp walk, but we will see mug shots of a former president of the United States. And let me back up to the perp walk, because we've heard some reporting you know, Donald Trump being all full of bravado, one of the things he's full of, saying, I want a perp walk because, you know, I'm going to use that basically as a fundraising vehicle. If they can do it to me, they can do it to you. Um, I think it's unlikely that there will be a perp walk. And even more importantly, when I hear people talk incessantly, Brian, about, well, if Donald Trump's indicted, this is going to help him with his base. It's going to help his poll numbers. It's going to help him politically. Conversely, some people say it's going to hurt him politically. I will tell you, as a career prosecutor, I would tune all of that out because I would never make a charging decision or an indictment decision based on those sorts of collateral consequences. Every time I decided to indict somebody, I knew I would likely make a batch of people happy and a batch of people unhappy, regardless of whether I decided to indict or decline to indict. But those were never considerations. It was about the facts and the law, regardless of the status of the person or the collateral consequences of an indictment. Now, just to be clear, confirming that if he does take a mugshot, that will be public? It will. Typically, mugshots are released by the police. So... Strictly speaking, a mugshot is not a public record, but I think we have seen historically that mugshots get released you know, by police departments all the time. Now, we spoke previously about when we can expect an actual trial. You'd mentioned sometime between six months and a year from now, but will Trump need to be present in all of the pre-trial uh, occurrences that happen? Yeah, great question. So in civil proceedings, like, you know, Donald Trump is always being sued by somebody or another, Ordinarily, um, the respondent in a civil suit, that is the defendant, is not generally required to attend every court proceeding. Um, And often the defense attorneys in a civil suit will just waive their client's presence. Not so in a criminal case. In a criminal case, you basically have to be present for every single court proceeding. And interestingly, you generally have to be actually present, not virtually present. Now, A defense team can try to waive their client's appearance, but most judges in a criminal case um, are are pretty disapproving of that. Because if you're facing the possibility of being incarcerated at the end of this process, you know, judges are determined that you are fully informed, indeed present, at every single court hearing in your case. Now, will those instances, those pretrial courtroom appearances, will they be public? They are public, yes. The, you, you have to, the Constitution provides for public trials, okay. and judges aren't permitted to close courtrooms except for national security matters. Rarely do they do that. Uh, but I don't believe cameras are in the courtrooms in New York, so I don't think we will see a televised trial 
unless they decide that the public interest is so important that they want to allow this trial to be um, pu publicly televised. Got it. Glenn, will you be in that courtroom? <laughs> I will. Here, here's what I will. I will be in the courtroom when and if, I'm going to go with when, Donald Trump is indicted federally for either the documents crimes or the, the insurrection, because that will be in my backyard here in Washington, D.C., in a courthouse in which I tried lots of cases. So I'll be present for that. I doubt I'm going to head up to Manhattan to, be, to, to try to get into a courtroom that is likely going to be overflowing. Just like on the logistics of that, how are you going to get in? Because I would imagine that would be a pretty hot ticket. Like, or it, Is it basically because you've been able to try cases there that it'll be easier for you to get into that courtroom? I wouldn't say I, I am prepared to call in any and all favors I might have, but having tried multiple RICO cases in that very courthouse and pretty much knowing most of the folks who work there, I will try to arrange to be you know, first in line to make sure I get a seat in the courtroom. Now, here's a question I'm getting a lot. Will this indictment in Manhattan be any impediment to Donald Trump running for office? Sadly, no. It won't be any legal impediment. It might be a practical impediment, right? Not a good look if you're running for president and you're also pending a criminal trial that could yeah. send you to prison. But I think Donald Trump has already announced. Now, rarely do I take him at his word, but he's already announced. You know what? Indictment or no indictment, I am not dropping out. And I'm, I'm here for it. You know what? Let him run as an indicted defendant pending prison. I don't think that will increase his odds of getting elected. Well, with that said, what about the other cases that he's, that he's at, uh, at risk of being indicted for, including Fulton County, Georgia, including the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, including uh, the classified documents case, the January 6th case? Yeah, none of it will be a legal impediment to him running for office. The only thing that would be a legal impediment is if he is convicted of a federal charge that carries with it the possible sentence of a prohibition from holding federal office in the future. That's the only way he would legally be prohibited, not necessarily um, from running for federal office, but holding federal office. Could that be one of the conditions uh, set forth, you know, uh, in terms of like a, a guilty plea or some or some plea deal overall? Like could, could a condition be set where he's barred from holding running for federal office and that would preclude him from serving prison time, for example? You know, that's a great question. There's lots of leeway that prosecutors and defense teams have in negotiating terms of a plea agreement or, let me add, a non-pros agreement. An agreement not to prosecute somebody if he or she agrees to a set of conditions. Usually those conditions, Brian, involve, you know, you have to stay out of trouble, you have to avoid all re-arrests, and, uh, and if you do, the prosecutors may sort of decline to ever charge you for a particular crime. Um, but of course, those agreements are only as good as the people who enter into them. So the prosecution could say, look, um, if you agree never to run for office, we will agree never to prosecute you, and then Donald Trump could later throw his hat in the ring. Of course, that would revive the prosecution's ability to prosecute him, but if it's a few years down the road, memories might have faded, evidence might have gone missing, and it might be more difficult to prosecute him. So I, I actually hope we don't see some kind of a creative disposition of Donald Trump's cases like that. Got it. Okay, well, with that said, things are moving 
very fast in this case with this impending indictment. So if you want to keep up on everything that's happening, make sure to follow both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. All right. All right. That uh, That's the legal's mumbo-jumbo. Uh, he will be running, probably indicted for the records case. The, but I don't understand. He tried to get the DA, I mean the, is it DA? No. Uh, Secretary of State of Georgia to find votes. Isn't that like a federal crime? But hey, it is what it is. People will forget because... Marjorie Taylor Greene and McCarthy are fighting like hell to keep him out of prison because they're going to go after the DA in New York. And again, the polls show that Trump will win against DeSantis, but he will not win against Biden. Neither of them will. But moving on, moving on to that jackass that is in Florida who is trying to run for president. He is battling Disney. Why is he battling Disney? I have no idea. Because of right now, they he stripped. Yeah, he stripped um, Disney of the self-governing hood. Because he put a, a five-pound board of his cronies on. Because of the don't, gay, don't say gay bill. He hurt his feelings. But hey, check this out. Ron DeSantis signed a bill stripping Disney of its longtime self-governing status in that state. For decades, the area surrounding Walt Disney World, known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District, had its own taxing and bonding authority. This had allowed Disney to make its own planning and zoning decisions, as well as have its own fire department. NBC's Vaughn Hilliard joins us now. And Vaughn, I know you've been following this case closely. Help us understand what exactly the signing of this bill does and what the reaction's been so far. Right, and the special governing district, Aaron, it has been around for more than 50 years. It was created when the developments for for Disney World first started back in the late 60s there. And essentially, we're talking about a 25,000 acre area here, multiple miles in which Disney was given the rights to develop, to place its own tax code, as well as issue its own bonds and really plan its own development across this greater Florida area. But after last year, the Disney company spoke out against the what was dubbed the Don't Say Gay bill, which restricted what public school educators were able to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity. The Disney Corporation released a statement at the time pushing back against the legislation. Now, Ron DeSantis said in essentially retaliation that this was a company that was uh, was wrong for speaking out against his policy decision. And today, upon signing this legislation, he said, quote, the corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. There's a new sheriff in town, and accountability will be the order of the day. And in fact, in his book release just here today, DeSantis said he warned Disney ahead of their decision to go public with its pushback that there would be consequences if it so chose to. Earlier today, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill stripping Disney of its longtime self-governing status in that state. For decades, the area surrounding Walt Disney World, known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District, had its own taxing and bonding authority. This had allowed Disney to make its own planning and zoning decisions, as well as have its own fire department. NBC's Vaughn Hilliard joins us now. And Vaughn, I know you've been following this case closely. 
Help us understand what exactly the signing of this bill does and what the reaction's been so far. Right, and the Special Governing District, Aaron, it has been around for more than 50 years. It was created when the developments for, for Disney World first started back in the late 60s there. And essentially, we're talking about a 25,000 acre area here, multiple miles in which Disney was given the rights to develop, to place its own tax code as well as issue its own bonds and really plan its own development across this greater Florida area. But after last year, the Disney company spoke out against the what was dubbed the Don't Say Gay bill, which restricted what public school educators were able to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity. The Disney Corporation released a statement at the time pushing back against the legislation. Now, Ron DeSantis said in essentially uh, retaliation that this was a company that was uh, was wrong for speaking out against his policy decision. And today, upon signing this legislation, he said, quote, the corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. There's a new sheriff in town, and accountability will be the order of the day. And in fact, in his book released just here today, DeSantis said he warned Disney ahead of their decision to go public with its pushback that there would be consequences if it so chose to. The biggest difference now with the special governing district is that that board, which was made up of really Disney allies, it is now going to be made up of five individuals that are handpicked by Governor DeSantis to know. There are other Republicans, including former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, as well as former Vice President Mike Pence, that have pushed back against DeSantis, saying that this is against the idea of limited government conservatism. Aaron? All right, Vaughn Hillier for us today. Thank you, Vaughn. All right. See, that's what's the that's what's gonna happen. He's gonna backfire. He's being a dictator in Florida and expect the independents to vote for him during a national election. So, the polls show that he might beat Trump. Might, might not, might not beat Trump in the primary, but he will not beat. Absolutely not. Will not beat Biden. So I really hope Biden. Runs again because he's a dictator, because he has no empathy for minorities. All right, let's check out what uh, our guy John Oliver says. John Oliver is blasting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for the reason behind eliminating Disney's special privileges of self-government. Last month, DeSantis made the move against Disney, backed by Florida Republicans, as a retaliation for Disney's opposition to the so-called Don't Say Gay law. While Oliver isn't necessarily upset that Disney will have to pay more taxes, he's got a big problem with the reason and the Florida governor. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, and a man who has what I can only describe as Green Book vibes. The Reedy Creek Improvement District, as it's called, provides electricity as well as fire and EMS services to Disney. The dissolution of the district may have major ripple effects. In addition to possibly violating the contract clause of Florida Constitution, Oliver also points out Florida state law requires the county assumes the district's debt when it's dissolved, which could mean that Orange and Osceola counties, where the district is, inherits upwards of $1 billion in bond debt. Oliver summed up his feelings in one thought. And look, do I think it's bad if Disney pays more taxes? No, I don't. That would be a good thing. I don't love that it might happen not through meaningful tax reform, but on the whim of one right-wing dick who's scared of gay people and doesn't understand the First Amendment. But hey, ends means what are you going to do? For more on this story, head to THR.com. And for the latest entertainment news, it... Yeah, that's what they're not telling you. The residents pick up the tab for Disney not doing the self-governance. That'll be like maybe 
a million dollars per resident in those two counties those two counties alone but what he what the what Disney did Disney folded which I I kind of see for the business model because he's not going to be governor for another he's not he's not going to run for governor again and he's not going to win for president so just get him out of there and hope that the next governor wises up and gives it back to Disney so they can do what they do yes have it pay more taxes so but let them let them um what's the word I'm looking for let them govern themselves it's been working for 50 60 years what's the problem I don't understand again um, it's just me but people will be people because in Florida it's turning red and they love that dictatorship even though they, they don't because they rather look down on people and have no empathy for, empathy for them and it makes no sense alright this is the Common Sense Party Podcast I'm your host O-T-T-L-E-Y uh, rate us review us subscribe that all can be done for free at either Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn, yes, and we're still working on Apple, yes. Uh, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, give us any stars. And... If you don't give us any stars, I'll just assume that I'm doing it correctly. Alright, the question of tonight. What is woke? Do you know what woke is? Do Republicans know what woke is? Or do they just hijack it just to turn it into something that they do? Alright, check out uh, David Pakman. Check out what he says. My friends, let's talk about woke. Especially and specifically the perversion of the term woke to the point where the anti-wokists don't even know what they're talking about and what they mean when they talk about woke. Before it was perverted by the American right wing, the term woke simply meant, I have become aware of the causes of social justice through activism. Pretty benign. The idea was challenge the status quo, fight against systematic and systemic oppression to try to create a better world. Pretty benign. That is not what the term means anymore. And in fact, I don't even know that anyone on the left is even still using the term in anything other than satirical fashion. And this is because over time, the term woke has been completely hijacked. Its meaning has become vague, ambiguous, and has been almost erased completely. Because right-wingers have turned the term woke into a pejorative. They use it to demonize. They use it to dismiss people advocating for social justice. If you identify an injustice, the right will dismiss your concerns by saying you are just a wokester or go back to wokistan or whatever the case may be. But the very right-wingers doing that don't even really know what the term means. Understand that right-wing pundits are masters of playing the victim, of demonizing the opposition, 
of engaging in binary thinking. Everything is either this or that. There are no gray areas in the world. And they are incredibly effective at convincing viewers to align with their ideology by using these dog whistles, by using these emotional appeals, and using fear and anger, we've talked about that before as well, to trigger an immediate response. The problem is, many people don't even understand what they're angry about. And that very much applies to wokeness. They're against wokeness because of CRT and cat litter and Black Lives Matter or something. But they've never actually taken a moment to learn, are the cat litter stories true? No, they're not. Is there anything about critical race theory that is valuable or that I might agree with in some way? That, that doesn't matter. They've never taken the time to understand, actually understand, what are the grievances of the Black Lives Matter? And even if I disagree with execution, for example, um, or like, for example, me, I have concerns about the way in which anti-Semitism has pervaded Black Lives Matter, I can still understand the causes and the worthiness of many of those causes. No, 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 no. They don't even really know what it means to be trans, but they're programmed to believe that it's, it's wrong and it's woke and these groups have all become so powerful and they're indoctrinating people and they're indoctrinating children. And this is how and why the term woke has become completely perverted. It is no longer, of course, it is no longer a message to describe or a term to describe activism, social justice, but it has actually become a tool for the right to reflexively throw out without understanding it to stop conversation. Remember when the right used to love to say to some on the left, being offended isn't an argument, right? You would have these conversations where, for example, during the era of, uh, of the gay marriage debate, such as it was, you would have this period where people on the right would go, I just believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And someone on the left would go, I find that offensive. And the person on the right would go, being offended isn't an argument. And I agreed with them. Being, offense, being offended isn't an argument. They are now doing the exact same thing. When they go, that's woke crap. We don't want woke crap. They are not making an argument. They are not addressing the merits or the facts or the substance of any particular position or issue. They are using a term that, much like I'm offended, just serves to shut down the conversation dismiss people's concerns, and disqualify uh, their participation in those discussions. So understand the term itself has been perverted, and we need to be aware of the way in which the right achieved that. Yep, they attacked the word woke and hijacked it. But in my opinion, woke means you have empathy for someone in a a lesser position or someone who is going through what they're going through transgender black, hispanic, asian even poor white people because republicans don't like poor white people they just want them to vote but they, poor white people vote against their own interests all the time that's a fact alright, Bill Maher Bill Maher, I, I like Bill Maher sometimes but I disagree with him let's hear what he says Find wokeness because I hear people use the term all the time. They mean something different to to everybody. Well, again, I think it's this collection of ideas that uh, are not building on liberalism.
capitalism, but very often undoing it. I mean, five years ago, Abraham Lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals. We liked him. <laughs> now they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Um, you know, five, ten years ago, bedrock liberalism was we are striving to be a colorblind society where we don't see race. Um, of course, we see it, but it doesn't matter. That's not what woke is. Woke is something very different. It's, it's identity pockets. We see it all the time. It's always the most important thing. I don't think that's liberalism. I mean, I could mention so many issues. Again, disagree with him. He's going with the extreme, but not everybody in the middle. He's saying that wokeism is that we're going to take down statues, which we need to. The Confederates did not win the war. Confederates are traitors. But he doesn't want to upset the apple cart because white people feel uncomfortable. But okay if they feel uncomfortable. Let them feel uncomfortable. If they feel uncomfortable, then they'll have empathy for all the wrongs that were done. That's all it is. It's uncomfortable. Woke is having empathy for your fellow man. Woke is fulfilling the social contract. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. You can reach me at the Common Sense Party Pod at gmail.com. Sense is spelled C-E-N-T-S. Sense. Uh, we're available on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, rate us, review us, give us feedback. That all can be done for free at where you get your podcast, and we are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcast, Pandora, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. But we're still working on Apple. Today, it is March 22nd. I'm your host. Hopefully, I have brought knowledge that helps you with your decisions going forward. We will see you next week. <laughs>